Okay, let's pray. Father, tonight we believe your word. And we expect a manifestation of your word tonight. Lord, these people didn't come to hear me. They came to hear you. And so I ask that you speak through me. I pray for utterance that comes by the Holy Ghost. But more than that, I pray for revelation in the hearts of every hearer that we would have a revelation that comes from you. Lord, I pray tonight that we just get it. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just thinking one time Jesus was on the boat with his disciples. And he started talking about them not being full of the leaven of the Pharisees. You remember that story? And they said, I think he's mad at us because we didn't bring any bread. Do you remember that story at all? I'm going to give you a paraphrase. Jesus basically said, don't you get it? Don't you get it? It's not about the bread. Sometimes I think as Christians, we just don't get it. But we need to get it. Lives are in the balance here. Ours, our nation, our children and grandchildren. Ooh, listen to this verse. James 1.21 says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness with superfluity of naughtiness, Listen to this. And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The word engrafted literally just means implanted. The word of God is a seed, according to Jesus, when he told the parable of the sower. He said, and the sower sows the word. All right? The word is a seed. And the seed must be planted in our hearts. It's more than just going in the ear. It's got to get in the ear and be planted in the heart. It has to be planted in there. All right. The seed that we, that's planted, is the scripture says it's incorruptible and it's alive. Uh, it says that in 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The word that is implanted lives and abides forever. That's a lot that I just said. It lives. The Bible is the only book on the shelf in the Library of Congress that's alive. Because it's a living word. It's alive. It says, it calls it the engrafted word. The word word, and you know this word, is the Greek word logos, which means something said, including the thought. All thought produces word. I can tell you what you've been thinking about based on what you talk about. Because that's the way we all are. If you've been thinking a lot about the Cowboys, you'll talk a lot about the Cowboys. If you've been thinking about Martha Stewart's latest whatever she does, I don't even know what she does exactly, you'll talk about what she does. Okay? Because what we think about is what we talk about. That's what happens to us. So here this word is, is, is logos. There's another word in the Bible. This, this the word rhema, it's also translated for word. It says word. It literally just means an utterance, and generally that's referring to a large body of words, a bunch of words. Logos refers to a small group of words that's more specific. All right, Logos is a specific word. Rhema is a large group of words. The, the rhema is the Bible. The logos is that part of the Bible that you've been meditating in that becomes a revelation to you. And it, it, it pierces something. Has that ever happened to you? You're, you're, you're meditating in the Word, and all of a sudden, that's it. 
I mean, it, it's the revelation. All right? It's it. Notice what it says here, though. If I'm, I'm going I'm to use some of that definition to say this. It says, it says, the specific word that is planted in you becomes a revelation. And that's the logos. The specific word planted in your heart becomes a revelation and is able, is what it said. It's able. The word able, the Greek word, is, is dunemai. Dunemai is from the Greek word dunamus. Dunemai literally means to be able or possible. When I get a revelation from the word in my heart, it becomes it becomes powerful. It becomes able. It becomes possible. The word planted in me has the power to produce itself is what it's saying. It produces what it says. But it's got to be planted. This is more than just hearing it once. It's planting it. And it's cultivating that seed in my heart. It produces. The word dunamis means miracle power. So we're talking about the planted word in your heart has the miracle power to save your soul. Well, must, I'm already saved. No, the word saved here is the Greek word sozo. And the word sozo doesn't necessarily mean the new birth. It means to save, to deliver, to protect. The word planted in you that's planted inside of your heart that has revelation power, that has the power to protect you. Has the power to deliver you, to heal, to preserve, to make you do well or make you whole. The word that's planted has can do all of that. Your soul is what? Your mind, your will, your emotions. The word that you plant in your heart, it has the power to deliver you, has the power to protect you in your thoughts, in your emotions, in your will. The deliverance is built into the word. And that's what people don't know. It's not just knowing about Jesus going to the cross, even though that's way, way important. But we've got to get the word so implanted in us that it delivers us. That it protects us, that it does its work. It has the power. The word is able. It has the power. That's why when we pray, we pray the word. Because the word itself has the miracle in it. Right there is the miracle. Sometimes we think, like, like Gideon, where are the miracles? He's like, they're in you. So he told Gideon, he said, they're in you. I expect you to do this. The miracles are in us. Here's what we fail to understand, and I say this almost every time I teach. We are in a war. We're in a war. This, this earth we live in is a war zone. We're fighting for our own lives. We're fighting for our health. We're fighting for our sanity. We're fighting for all these things in our lives. We're fight, But we're also fighting for the lives of our children, our grandchildren. We're fighting for our cities and our nation. And so the fight begins as we plant the most powerful weapon in the universe in our hearts. The Word of God. The Scripture says in Ephesians that the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, we plant it in our heart because there's miracle power with this sword. Unless we teach people the Word, they're, they're weaponless. In, in this modern world that we live in, they are weaponless against the assault of wokeness, against the assault of the cancel culture. I remember one time I was in Guatemala, and I went into a church, and, and they said it was Catholic, but it was not Catholic. It really was a mixture of Catholicism and the, the pagan 
cultures of religions of the of the indigenous people that lived there. And it was part pagan, part Catholic, and they mixed it all together. That doesn't work, does it? What's happening today is similar to that in that the modern church has been invaded by wokeness, and I'm going to tell you right now, they don't cohabit. Because the wokeness culture hates Christianity. And Christian, Christians are being sucked into it little by little because they're not taught what the Word says about who they are, what God is, and what the promises are about. And they're sucked into it and they can't see anything wrong with it because there's no discernment. They've never been taught what that's about. We have to understand it's a fight and we've got to teach people or they're weaponless against this enemy who is the God of this world who blinds their minds and they can no longer see. It's interesting to me. When the Lord told Israel in Second Chronicles, he told them this, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. <laughs> Now, he did not follow that up with, so in light of the fact that it's my battle, just go home and binge watch Netflix for the whole weekend. That wasn't his assignment to them. If the battle is the Lord's, aren't we done? No, no, the very next sentence says, tomorrow go ye down against them. In other words, God's going to fight the battle for them, but they still had to put on the armor. They still had to be trained to fight. They still, they still had to show up in battle gear. They didn't just get to go home and do their own thing. They had to be prepared. The Lord is going to fight for us in a supernatural way, but we must still take up the whole armor of God. We must still be willing to fight the fight of faith. And the fight of faith is not a fight of emotions, by the way. Getting mad at the devil doesn't do anything to it. Getting mad at sickness doesn't do anything to it, but you need to be violent in your spirit about it. See, the Word must become the priority in our lives. It must be the priority in church. It must be, it must be what people get out of it. I mean, it must be the priority. Not, the Word can't just be relegated to, to every now and then in a, in a little group in the back room. It's got the church, the people of God need to hear it. They need to be taught the Word. They need to be taught the foundation of what's going on. I mean, you and I both know that this generation of American evangelicals are the most scripturally illiterate of all time in this nation. I mean, Barna does the surveys and, and has all, they're, they're just illiterate. Today, there are more mega churches than ever. Unfortunately, the little churches are, are drying up. And yet people don't know what the Bible says, don't know what it's about. They don't even... The majority of them don't even believe that the Bible is the actual Word of God. And at least half of them don't believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father. Do you know why that is? Because they're not telling them at church that. They're not preaching the absolute truths from the Word. Because, because you know, they're, they're taught that truth, or they're led to believe that truth is relative. And that I can just believe whatever I want to believe. Can I tell you something? You have that free will. But you cannot do it if you're submitted to the king. I forgot to mention, you might put on your steel toes tonight for just for a while. They need to be taught the word. They must be taught the word. 
I mean, I get it. People want to know how to navigate their marriages. They want to know how to work their finances, other relationships, raise their kids, receive healing, be good bosses, good employers, all those things. They want to know all that stuff. But it's the Bible that has the answers to every one of those things I just mentioned. The Bible. Yeah, but it's the Bible is so old-fashioned. No, 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 no. The Bible is eternal. I mean, two things are going to make it out of this world. I've said this many times. That's people and the Word. If you think, if you think we're going to be done with Bible studies when we get to heaven, you are wrong. Because we don't know much about it yet. We'll have eternity to get to the depth of what it really is about. I mean, it's in the Bible. I mean, it contains it, it, the, the subjects in there, but the Bible contains the miracle power to bring itself into manifestation if we'll simply implant it into our hearts. That's, I like that. I'm not talking about magic. I'm talking about miracles that come from the Word, the engrafted Word in us. So we've got to renew the spirit of our minds, according to Ephesians 4.23, allowing the Word to do its work on the inside of us, being what we're supposed to be. Now, that brings me to my text. I didn't look at what time I started, but we'll just go on. Romans 12.2, we've looked at this the last four times that I've taught. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed. Don't be molded into the world's system. Don't be made to look like the rest of the world, but be transformed, changed into something different so that you can know what the will of God is. Here's the, here's the New Living Translation. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God can transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Transform means to become a totally different person. How many of us need transformation in some way? I mean, I, to be transformed from a warrior to someone who's free. To be transformed from someone who's always, always afraid into someone who's fearless. We need transformation. And the Bible says that transformation doesn't come because we lay hands on you. It comes because you choose to renew your mind. Renewing the mind. We're transformed that way. We, 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 that's how it's going to happen. When we became a new creature, according to the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Galatians 6.15, it wasn't talking about our body or our mind. It's talking about our spirit man became new. In fact, in reality, our spirit man came to life on that day when we were born again. But we still need something. We still need to do something. We need to get our minds renewed. We've talked about that Romans was written to Christians, and so God's telling Christian people to get your mind renewed. Okay. He, and I'm a believer in this. If God tells us to do, do something, he gives us the ability to do it. Is that right? It'd be cruel if he said, do this and you can't do it. Now, you might say you can't, but the reality is you can if he said you can. You can do it. So if he tells us, he gives us the ability. In Romans 12, 2, he didn't say, now, if you can help it, don't be conformed to this world. If, you can all, if at all possible. And if you want to and have time for it, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I, I didn't read that in there. He said, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Those are straight up commands that he gave to us. He specifically told us what not to do and what to do instead. 
which means we can do this. We can, it's kind of like I went skiing the first time, and the little kid, I was, I was 17, I think, and this little kid skis up to me and sprays me with snow because I, I was on the ground for the 150th time, soaking wet. I was tired, and he sprayed me with snow, and he says, Mister, do you need some help? I said, shut up and get out of here. And then I thought, wait a minute. If that little kid can do it, I can do it. The reality is if God said I can do it, I can do it. I just need to come to my senses. We have the ability to do what God told us to do. It may take some time, but we have the ability. In fact, to not, to not do it, to not even attempt to do it, is disobedience. Because he told us to do it. So, it matters what we think about. Our minds are to be renewed. It matters what we think. Last week, we saw that thinking the wrong thoughts, or last time, that thinking the wrong thoughts brings death. Thinking the right thoughts brings life and peace. We called it carly minded and spiritually minded the last time. All right? We can control what we think about. You can control what you think about. I would like to be able to pray, God, just take over my mind and just make me think whatever you want me to think. I give you my mind. Ain't going to happen that way. You've got to, transform. You've, got to, you've got to be transformed by renewing it, by renovating it. We've got to do that. Here's what I want you to say. I'm going to say this every day. My mind is my mind. I can think whatever I want to think. I do not have to think about things that are contrary to the Word of God. I don't have to. The thought can come, but I don't have to take it. I don't have to spend my time meditating in the fear, in the worry. I don't have to take it. My mind is my mind, and it can be renewed in the Word of God. How many times do you think that Jesus was faced with, facing a decision he says, well, I just don't know what to do. <laughs> His mind was renewed. He knew the will of God. He didn't say, okay, let's take a vote. How many of y'all think I should go to the cross and how many of you think I should not? <laughs> well, you know what would have happened. They would, they would have all voted no because they didn't know what. They didn't want that to happen. Jesus didn't even want it to happen, but he knew it had to happen, and so he yielded to what God told him to do. My mind is my mind. I don't have to think on things I'm not supposed to think on. That includes worry. That includes fear. Ooh, man. That includes thoughts of doubt and thoughts of anger. I don't have to think on those things. Hmm, man. See, I told you you needed some steel-toed boots. If we don't have control of our thoughts, then God would have never given us instruction as to what we're to think about. Ooh, man, this is really fun so far. I'm going to tell you how to have a happy life right now. And it's not a happy wife. That's probably included in the process, but here's how you have a happy life. I'm going to look at Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It all begins with this word, rejoice. One of the words in the Old Testament for rejoice means to jump up and spin around. <laughs> they don't know what this word in the Greek means, but rejoice, Paul says. 
rejoice. The word rejoice here literally means to be cheerful, to be happy, to rejoice exceedingly. Rejoice. I love the way he did it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you didn't get it the first time, rejoice. I think the word rejoice should be in capital letters in the, in the scripture. Rejoice. Why would Paul have to say that to Christians? Because they don't rejoice enough. Because they're not happy enough. I mean, they are, the devil is a master at coming to you and because you feel bad and you have a pain in your back and tell you you're just not a good Christian or you would be able to get well. Oh, I'm not a good Christian. I can't get well. Rejoice, the Bible says. And again, I say rejoice. We should never mourn like the world. It shouldn't be that way. Something is wrong if you're a Christian and you're sad and mad most of the time. I mean, if you're sad and you're mad a lot, you either need to get born again or get your mind renewed. I mean, you and I, we ought to be the happiest people on the planet. We, ought to, we, we need Jesus to give us this light and brighten us up. I mean, we should be happy. There's too much depression in the church. How do I know? I counsel people. And they come in and, oh, oh God is just giving me this burden. <laughs> Shut up. You're not the Savior. He's the Savior. The Scripture says we're to cast our care on Him. We don't carry that burden. He carries it. Only His shoulders are big enough. Oh, it's just such a burden. No, no, no. You have the answer, not the burden. You have the Word of God. You have what God has promised you. I mean, we are to rejoice. We're to be happy. I know people who don't want to be Christians because they know too many Christians. I mean, who wants to become a Christian if, if you always are mad and sad and fight with people? I mean, no, I don't, what, what, we want that. We have salvation. That is everlasting life. We're washed from our sin. We have the wisdom of God. We have the life of God here in this world. Why would we be sad? Mm -hmm. I lost my screwdriver. Really? <laughs> that guy cut me off on the loop. Really? <laughs> and that's going to take your whole day. All your joy is gone because one guy, and you've never done that before with somebody, I know you have. We ought to be happy. The Bible says in Psalm 144, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. That ought to be the hallmark of us. I mean, here's what I know. In just a few days, he's coming again. Oh, and we're going to go be with him. We ought to be, that makes me happy to think of spending eternity with him. We are to rejoice. In fact, just say that word out loud. Rejoice. Say it really loud. Rejoice. That's what needs to happen to us. We need to be happy. Rejoice always. The next verse, I love this next verse. It says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Oh, there's so many people who say, well, see, we need to be moderate in all things. I mean, can I ask you a question? Can you be too happy? Can you be too nice? I mean, can you be too sweet? To people, that little that little that little phrase here, moderate, means sweet 
reasonableness. It means to be nice. We ought to be so very nice. <laughs> Isn't that good? Amen. I mean, this, this kind of makes me happy just talking about it. Can, can, can we be too blessed, do you think? I don't think we can be too blessed. Can we be too healed? I mean, we don't be too healed. We want to be moderate here. Little sickness, little hell. <laughs> no, no, no. We want to be totally. Can we have too much of life flowing into us? No, no, we can't. This is when you read the Bible. Just think about it. God is excessive. Do you know that right now in the ocean there are more fish than man will ever eat? There's too many of them. Why? That's what God. That's how He made it to be. He's excessive. He pours it out. The Bible says, "My cup is pretty full." No, it says my cup runs over. It overflows. More than enough. The Bible says that, that God is my shepherd. I have no lack. Well, that's not fair. Yeah, it is fair. That's what God wants to happen. That's what he said. Do you know that the, that the monkeys never worry about how many bananas there are? They got more than enough bananas. They can get all the bananas they want. Because God is excessive. Have you ever tried to count the stars? That's not very moderate. I mean, there's too many of those, aren't there? No, they're not too many stars. I mean, God wants us to be happy people. We need to understand moderation isn't, isn't the thing. The issue is to be sweet. Be people of faith. Then it says, I love this next verse, be careful for nothing. <laughs> you knew that was coming, right? But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be careful for nothing. Literally, it says, don't worry about anything. It says, don't be anxious about anything in your life. Don't worry. What's that song that Bob Marty sing? Don't worry, be happy? That might be the title here. I don't know. We'll see. Don't worry. Thinking on the wrong things will make you anxious. Let me just jump ahead of myself here. If you're anxious, you're thinking on the wrong thing. That's pretty good. There, see, thinking that way. A single thought. If you're, if you're thought, you know this. A single thought can destroy your day. If you think the wrong thought. But a single thought can also make your day. If you think the right thought. We need to, we need to quit worrying and begin to pray like we talked about tonight with Carolyn. Praying the answer, not the problem. Praying what God has promised us. Because if we pray anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have the petition of our heart. That's in First John chapter 5. We need to know we're praying the answer, praying his will so he hears us. We, we, when we pray that way, we pray and give supplication, peace comes and guards our heart, keeps our heart. Peace guards our heart. Let me tell you something. You can tell if you're thinking right because you have peace. When I was talking about being happy a few minutes ago, we were happy, we were all happy, and there was no anxiety because we were thinking right. 
If you don't have peace, you're not thinking right. The Bible says there's no peace to the wicked. We're not the wicked. There's no peace in a wrong thought. Start thinking a wrong thought, there's no peace in it. God's right thoughts bring peace to you. If you need, if you have no peace, stop what you're thinking and think something different. I don't think I can do that. You've got to use your mouth and say something different. Because you stop a thought with a word. And if you'll speak words of faith, you can stop thoughts of, 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 of anxiety. I just can't. Yes, you can. The Bible said you can. The Bible here said, be careful for nothing unless you're just too simple-minded to get it. Didn't say that. It just said, be careful for nothing. You and I can do this. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is in Isaiah 26.3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Whose what? Mind. Mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. Complete completeness. Completely, absolutely nothing missing, nothing broken in their lives. Whose mind... So this is, tells me that my mind, my thoughts are way important. My mind is stayed on him because I trust him. If you're thinking this way, if you're thinking this and your mind is stayed on him, you'll have peace. You'll have peace when you trust him. You got Listen, there have been times in my life when things were not going well, and Tammy and I had to put the word on in our bedroom all night long just to keep the other thoughts away. We forced it into our minds. We forced it. We had to get the thought of peace in our heart. Maybe what you, if, if you, if you deal with some of these with worry and, and and fear and anger, maybe you just need to put the recordings of these messages about thoughts in your bedroom on all night. Just listen to it over and over. Your mind, our mind. We have shalom, shalom. If we're angry, if we're if if we're mad, if we're worried, we need to repent. Because we've allowed peace to leave us because of wrong thinking. But what? But what? They get in a car wreck on the way. Is that really? It, you're assigning angels to just stand by the side of the road and let them get in a car wreck. How about we call for God's supernatural protection on them? What does the Bible even say about that? If you're not in peace. Peace, peace. You're not keeping him in your mind. Thinking about you think about what they said. Here's one. You think about what they said on Fox News. Thinking about what Hannity said. And he's saying, We're you know, we're in trouble here. How about let's focus on what God promised us? Doesn't mean we put our heads in the sand and don't know what's going on, but it does mean we can we, we take our thoughts. And we make it line up with the Word of God. God will never forget His Word. He's not going to do it. Faith will cause God to respond to you. Not because you're pitiful. Because faith. He, he, faith does it. Young's literal, literal translation 
translates this way, an imagination supported thou fortifiest with peace, peace, for in thee it is confident. We need to be thinking about it. Amplified, I love this one. You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclination and its character is stayed on you, because he commits himself to you, leans on you, hopes confidently in you. Our mind needs to be inclined to him. That'll be the first thought. The first reaction ought to be him. That'll be all about him. The Living Translation says, You will keep him, keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. The, the God's Word says, With perfect peace you will protect those whose minds cannot be changed because they trust you. We need to get our minds so fixed that God is true. His Word will never change. It, it, he has made the promise. He sent Jesus. Jesus died for it. We have, now, we have now received the blessing of Abraham. Our mind is fixed on Him. It cannot be changed. Our thoughts must be fixed. Our minds cannot be changed. We've got to fix them on the Word and not on the problem. Fix them on the Word and not what they said. Well, you know, you know, Mikey said that John told him that you did this. No, no. you got to fix your mind on what is the Word of God. What does the Word have to say? God will keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind on Him. That's what we have to do. I love Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Meditate means to mutter, to utter, to speak to yourself over and over again. It's saying thinking produces these words. You say it over and over again, day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Well, yeah, but we, we can't meditate in the word day and night. Well, let me ask you this question. Do you think about something all day and all night? I mean, maybe not when you're asleep, but while you're awake, you think about something. We have the ability to think about what God promised us. The key to success is thinking the Word, meditating in the Word. I don't know if you've taken a foreign language. If you take a foreign language, the key to speaking a foreign language is learn to think in the foreign language. If you can think in Spanish, you can speak in Spanish. If you're around Spanish-speaking people a lot, you'll begin to think in Spanish. The key to speaking the Word is thinking the Word. And you begin to meditate in the Word, you'll speak it all the time. If you think right things, you'll have life and peace. I like it. He talked about it back in Isaiah. He said, with perfect peace, complete, full peace, you'll protect those whose minds cannot be changed. Man, I like that. We need to all be that way. See, we all want, here's what I want. I want for nothing to be up to me and everything to be up to God. It's simply not true. I must choose what I think. I must choose. The devil will throw thoughts at me and I must choose whether I take it or not. Some I get to throw down, some I get to accept. I just have to decide which ones I'm going to take, which one, which ones I want to take. Listen, I must I must think the right thoughts and I'll tell you how I know if I'm thinking right. I have peace. Perfect peace is mine if I'm thinking right. Ooh, man, so I need to keep my mind on Him. Must be stayed on Him. Our mind cannot be changed by the circumstances. We must trust Him. That, that prevents us from being up and down all the time. We must become disciplined while we allow ourselves to think. 
So in fact, in Deuteronomy 28, if you, if you look through all the curse of the law, sorrow of the mind is a part of the curse of the law. It's a curse. We've been redeemed from the curse. All right, we're almost through here. Hope you got a couple of minutes. Back to Philippians chapter 4. We went through, we went 4 through 7. Here's verse 8. Finally, brethren, what's the things are true? Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We just now got a checklist for our mind. Every thought that comes, we need to make sure it fits the checklist. We choose what we think. We cannot, we should not allow every thought that comes. You need to ask some questions. Is this a God-approved thought? Is this a Bible thought? Is this a faith thought? He started by saying rejoice. That gets us going here. We're on the right channel. And we pray. And now we get the peace of God. Finally, he shows us how to keep peace. Keep our minds stayed. If it's true, if it's true, if it's honest, if it's just, which means fair, if it's pure, if it's lovely, it means a lovely thought, a pleasing, agreeable, friendly thought, a good report, virtue, any praise, anything that's praiseworthy. He says, think on these things. Think on them. Take the time to think on them. Man, we must think on these things. If a thought comes and it's not true, if Ralphie told Mikey to tell me, or Ralphie told Mikey and I heard that he said it, do I know if that's true or not? I don't have to take that thought till I go to the source and ask and then find out why. I don't have to take that thought. False. I don't have to take false things. If a thought comes to me and it's not on the list, I don't take it. If it's not honest, if it's a lie, I don't have to take it. All right? I don't want to open myself up to lies. If it's not on the checklist, I got people go around, well, it's just not fair. We've got to find out, is it fair or not? If, if, and, and, and just think on things that are fair instead of things that aren't right. Things, we need to think on things that are clean, that's pure. If, if it's not on the checklist, we, we, we can't have it. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, every thought to the obedience of Christ, having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your, when your obedience is fulfilled. We don't need to war in the flesh. We don't need to scream. We don't need to cry. We don't need to get mad. We need, we need to quit thinking on it so we don't have to war in the flesh. We need to learn to think for ourselves and cast it down. The word is ballow, which means to throw down with violence. We've got to think for ourselves. Ask God what we're supposed to do. We need to take thoughts captive. You and I each need to be a thought catcher. One time we were in New York. We went to this, went to this restaurant. We walked up. We were just going to walk in. This big old guy standing in front of it. You had to, you didn't know where the restaurant was because you couldn't tell. There was no good sign. But it's it's very it's it's a very popular place. We walk up. The big bouncer is just standing there. Can I help you? Um, there weren't anybody. It wasn't that crowded out on the sidewalk, so there wasn't like a waiting line out there. And I said, uh, we need a table for six. He looks us up and down. Just a minute. Walked inside. He's a big guy. I wasn't going to argue with him. I'm just going to tell you that. So he came back out a couple minutes later and said, I just happen to have a table for six. <laughs> Took us in and seated us. 
we need a bouncer at the door of our thoughts. <laughs> we need somebody at the... I mean, yeah. every mind needs a bouncer. We just can't allow every thought to come in. We need to look them over. We need to look through the peephole and say, this is a private club. You're, every thought isn't getting in this head. You're not coming in here. And here's my checklist. I found it here in Philippians chapter 4. If you're not on the list, you're not coming in. It's not happening. And you look it over. If it's not true, sorry, you're not on the list and you're not coming in here. You've got to make sure. But you've got to do that on purpose. It doesn't happen by accident. We capture them. We capture them every time. Listen, it has to be a Christ-approved thought. If we'll start doing that, we won't have down days all the time. I mean, we'll be happy. We'll be people. We'll be people who have victory in our lives. Most of us just want to take a pill instead of disciplining the mind and getting it renewed. Listen, if it's not on the list, it get it gets bounced. It doesn't get to come in. That's what we have to do. We got to be aware of what's coming on, what we're meditating on, man. We need to look to that keyhole. Don't let the ugly thoughts in. We mustn't allow the bad reports to take over our mind. We've got to report, think about His report. What has He promised us? One more passage and I'm almost through. And let the peace of God rule your hearts to the which you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The Amplified says it this way. And let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule. Act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which, as members of Christ's body, you are called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Peace. You know you're thinking right if you have peace. Peace is the umpire. And if one of those other thoughts tries to steal something from you, peace needs to say, you're out of here. Not having you here. We get to choose our thoughts. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. I thank you, God, that you have given us the ability to cast down thoughts and imaginations that are contradictory to your word and to your promise. Lord, we repent for the worry. We repent for the fear. We repent, God, for the anger, the frustration, because we haven't thought right. Tonight, in this room, we choose peace. We choose joy, and we rejoice in you. We rejoice in your word tonight. We rejoice tonight that you alone, Adonai, are God. You alone, Jesus, our Messiah. You alone, Holy Spirit, indwell us. We thank you. We praise you tonight for your word. And we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.